Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. So oh, there you go. It always does that. Uh, and we record on Skype um, and you click to start recording and then there's this huge delay. And then when it comes up, it goes, you've already been recording for 10 seconds, have we? <laughs> it's just me and Artif staring at each other silently, like waiting for the moment to talk. <laughs> Only this was a visual podcast so people could understand how awkward those 10 seconds are you know <laughs> yeah yeah this is what, what happens when you haven't got like the big budgets where producers and tell them when to talk me we just kind of stare at each other uh in in a non-longingly way <laughs> just um anticipating the second clock to start ticking and then eventually it does 10 11 seconds in um, but we're here to talk about Star Wars more than um, Skype, uh, which <laughs> some, some people might found um, more of a relief to hear. <laughs> but we're here to talk about Bad Batch, uh, which is rolling on uh, episode 10 out of 16. So I feel we're kind of steaming. I feel like it was a while to get to halfway through. And now it's like, poof, 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 poof. here go all these episodes, 8, 9, 10, going into episode 11 this coming week. And it's growing it's growing again. There's scale. There's, it's getting that Clone Wars feel about it. There's more planets being involved. There's more different civilizations being involved. This is what I'm into. I was actually quite surprised to see that this episode received a slightly lower score than um, some of the most recent ones. Because really? personally, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I love the whole... Um, we've talked about this many a time, but I love the whole Sid coming together, giving the missions, sending them off, getting them to do these kind of, you know, missionary type jobs around the galaxies because I like it's very Star Wars. It's very jump into this planet, see what's happening here, jump into this planet. Also we're at a very interesting time. We're at the building, the foundations of the Empire. There's so much story there. I mean that is most likely what Bad Batch could be for many years. We don't know. But jumping into this episode, I was I was quite um pleasantly surprised in the sense that I didn't realise they would just jump back into missions because of all the stuff we've had happen recently. But I was very happy for them to do so and I was very happy for this to be the way it kind of happens. How how did you feel coming into that? I mean, you know, echoing everything you said, uh, I'm I'm surprised that it received a lower rating um, because, yeah, I mean, already from the first scene, you know, we're, we, we're given a, a whole new flavor of episode, you know, that we're on a new planet. Um, we're watching the Empire, you know, doing their evil ways and, and getting other, you know, the planetary system into line uh, with their, you know, demands and, and rules um, under their tyranny, you know, of these massive new, well, I was going to say new, but old walk, old styled walkers, which look very threatening. Um, yeah, you know, like from the get go, I was like, oh, wow, this is uh, kind of what we've been discussing, you know, over the past few episodes that we were kind of longing, longing for this um, additional context that the Bad Batch can give us as to, you know, 
exactly how the Empire took over the galaxy once they, you know, did away with the Jedi's and executed Order 66. And, you know, here we have it. So, you know, because, I mean, this is one of the big things as a Star Wars fan that it's like, you know, you, you see when you watch the prequels and you see how um, developed essentially the galaxy is. Um, and, you know, I mean, with their own different, as you said, different planets, different races, different armies, rebellions, Jedi's here, there, every, I mean, there's so, I mean, it's a whole galaxy filled with people and how can an empire take over these people? And now we're starting to see that action and, you know, and that's, you know, what we were longing for with the Bad Batch, that it would provide that sort of context that we'd see kind of various characters coming in and out and, and also how the Bad Batch are kind of playing that role that they're, you know, the, these defectees from the empire and now they're, you know, um, essentially fighting against them and, and helping and kind of forming the initial resistance really to it. Um, so yeah, I, I thought this episode was really exciting kind of seeing that. And of course, as you said, like the reintroduction of Sid that we kind of, again, been longing for, you know, on the podcast that, um, you know, that she's like this kind of very central figure uh, to happenings across the galaxy, whether it's with, you know, gangsters like, you know, the huts or um, yeah, saving senators from, from the empire. So it's really cool to see her kind of come back in and then play this role um, that we thought that she would. And, you know, now we're kind of, as we said, like, the, you know, since I think about what episode five or six, it's really been picking up steam, you know, this, this uh, like the, kind of the bad batch. So now I feel that it's, it's really forming quite a solid direction and, you know, yeah, it's really cool. You know, there's some great action, you know, um, and yeah, the, the context that we've been so longing for, um, so yeah, on this planet, you know, what, I think it's called Raxus, is it? Um, kind of reminds me of Naboo. What do you think, Ben? <laughs> yeah, it's very Naboo, isn't it? Very <laughs> Naboo. We see um, Senator Avi Singh, um, voiced by good old Alexander Siddig. Now, Alexander Siddig, if the name doesn't ring a bell, the face certainly will. Um, he's known for Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, where he was Dr. Bashir, Captain Bashir, Kingdom of Heaven, Reign of Fire, like loads of... He's one of those actors that I feel has been everywhere for my oh, whole yeah. life. See, are you just checking him out now? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just Googling him. He's in Game of Thrones. He's, yeah, um... yeah. So he's... Yeah, Game of Thrones... 24 he was in like this is he's one of those you know guys punching his acting card in many different <laughs> worlds and probably making a very decent living out of it but he's very much a guy who would pop up in multiple different things through the late 90s to early noughties and still today to be fair it's not like i think he's in peaky blinders as well and like you said game of thrones uh, and gotham um so the man is working. It's <laughs> working. And so it's good to see the still like the voice acting cast is a very good thing. But yes, very Naboo like. That's exactly what you think of. I kind of feel like it's almost like I was watching a mission that had happened before with Padme kicking some ass and Anakin and Obi Wan running around. So yeah, it very much sits in that kind of Naboo world. But what I just enjoy about it. It's like what I've said before. I think it's very well done. It's one thing that the Bad Batch, I believe, is doing well. And this is an ode to the people who obviously made the Clone Wars series and are making this series, these types of shows. And you had the Star Wars Rebels show as well. 
very good at transferring action into animation, which I don't feel is always the easiest thing. It's more easy in live action to, you know, use visual effects to the highest possible level, especially in this realm, how we see it used in The Mandalorian and how we see it used in Star Wars movies. But with this particular type of animation, it's almost like you can do anything, but at the same time you have certain restrictions or restraints, so you can only do so much to make it feel that it still fits within this show. But I very much feel the action sequences, the way the animation was done, especially in this episode, the particular sequence where they hijack this walker and then they have the other guards coming in to the other stormtroopers um, from the Empire trying to capture them, and there's this whole showdown within the set i just thought it was all really really visually well done and that's something for me which kind of made this episode so i liked the little side storyline um it would be great if we could get some more seeing maybe what role this senator plays Mm. um because it's just another interesting tangent but yeah yeah, i I I mean i don't know how you feel but i just feel the animation is extremely on point, especially for the action sequences. Yeah, yeah. It's, that was one of the things that I've kind of noticed throughout this episode. And actually, it feels like the animation is becoming... I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't This is just kind of a thought, but across the series, it feels like the, the action animation, as you said, it's, it's getting tighter and kind of almost... Some, yeah, kind of seamless in, in the way that, you know, because I felt like earlier on... Um, and I think this was just around a few episodes, which were kind of like more duddish for us in a way. We'll come around episode three and four where there was action scenes, but it still felt a bit clunky and not as detailed, yes. like with backgrounds and explosions and sequences. Whereas now the sequences are really seamless and like continuous as well in terms of the action uh, and moving through various phases that just works. It just flows really well. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It is like, you know, more entertaining and, um, and, and yeah, this, you know, I mean, I love the kind of scene with the big uh, kind of like Walker tank thing and like kind of firing at each other and how it kind of blasts a hole in the one that they're trying to hijack. Um, I mean, you know, that was really cool. And then obviously like escaping kind of through the wall and explosions everywhere. And of course, the rescue sequence where they're you know throwing kind of smoke, you know, grenades into uh, uh, into the, you know, well, the holding area where they're holding him, like his residence. Yeah, it was all really action packed. Uh, and yeah, I mean, another thing I noticed as well is that they uh, set their phases to stun, you know, like the whole time as well, like, which was kind of interesting because like, you know, in the last episodes we were talking about how they were, you know, turning into these like ruthless killers in a way. But now it's interesting that they've kind of, I mean, this whole mission, really, they, it was almost like a, a non-lethal uh, agenda really that they had, which I thought was kind of interesting and, you know, and also kind of. I suppose that maybe that's, you know, the Bad Batch, you know, uh, maturing in a way, or I don't know, like maybe trying to cause less havoc. I'm not sure, because now, I, I don't know, I, I feel that after this mission, uh, you know, because they already had the Empire and obviously Crosshair, you know, down their necks and chasing them after, you know, chasing after them. And um, yeah, and, you know, now like I feel that they're going to set the Empire off even more. And, uh, you know, so we, yeah, kind of in line for even more big action sequences, I reckon. Well, they're kind of a bit confused, aren't they? I still think on that front to the fact that they were kind of fighting with these guys. I said a lot of the Empire, a lot of the Stormtroopers are obviously still clones. 
so there's that very much that in between time isn't there so there there's that kind of the whole thing that they're willing to do missions but they're still not really picking a side so to speak they're just doing what they feel is right and so but yeah i mean i pick up on that where no one's kind of holding back on attacking them but at the same time they are holding back on attacking everybody on their side of uh, their side of things which kind of makes uh, makes sense and it, it's like a it's it's a note to their characters really isn't it their characters are pretty straight down the middle they kind of yeah. They're, they're kind of fighting for the good in the galaxy. Yeah, on the side of justice. So, like, you yeah. know, it, it's, yeah, it feels like they're kind of growing into that kind of heroic role, you know, of uh, yeah. uh, just uh, kind of you know, doing these rescue missions whilst, you know, not killing their technical brothers, you know, their clone brothers. So, you know, fair enough to them. But, yeah, I mean, and also, you know, as, as we've been saying, like, this whole episode in terms of, like, the mission for the Bad Batch, I think it's really exciting to see how, it's like the forming of the rebel alliance perhaps you know that yeah. they're getting together these you know key figures from across the galaxy senators and uh you know troopers and perhaps bounty hunters you know depending you know who comes in uh later on um t- together to essentially you know start fighting the empire so it's it's a great it's a great bit of context and i'm i'm, I'm very excited to see where they'll take it really um yeah so it, it's uh definitely I, I think the start of and as you said you know it, after this episode, it now makes me think, how long can the Bad Batch really go on for? You know, because it, it can kind of, I mean, it can cover a long time. I mean, I mean we, we did also, the saying that, you know, we did also talk about the lifespan of clones. So perhaps, you know, <laughs> how long could they go on for? Like maybe another 10 years, 15 years? How, what is the lifespan of a clone, you know? <laughs> I'm not really too sure. And I'm sure a lot of people will know exactly um, what the lifespan of a clone is. But I'm not really too sure. And in the sense that really you have, I mean, we kick this off, don't we? Literally, as the revenge, the events of Revenge of the Sith happened, and we all know that between Revenge of the Sith and between A New Hope is roughly, it's it's like twenty years or something, just a, between twenty and twenty-five years. Luke is, uh, I think, in his early twenties when it come. I, th- I think he is in his early twenties, maybe in his late teens, somewhere okay. in that catchment area when it comes to A New Hope. So, I mean... I've Googled it. So, apparently they've said that the closest answer is that, like natural-born humans, a clone's lifespan varies, although they probably weren't designed to live more than 50 human years. Interesting. Interesting. So, it'd be interesting to know how old they are now, Mm. so to speak. So, if they're not, they were fast-tracked. So, I mean, they could be 10. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For all we know at this point in time, so they're Omega's age, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just so weird. It's just so yeah. weird. Um, but yeah, that's what could happen. I mean, look, we had the Clone Wars, and that did seven seasons, or or by the between the sixth and the seventh season, there was a huge gap, but still did seven seasons. Now, with the point in which the Bad Batch. Is it could easily do seven seasons. There's so much. I mean, you can have them mixing up with the likes of characters like Cassie and Andor. You can yep. have them having multiple run-ins with Darth Vader. You can, I mean, Leia. Or, yeah. So all your key kind of uh, young Leia, Ahsoka. You know, all your. There's so many well-known, established characters within this particular timeline. 
Obi-Wan within this particular time frame. So the sky is the limit, I would say, to the Bad Batch. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the Bad Batch for quite some time because we all know the formula for the Clone Wars, albeit the beginning, the first film, got shaky reviews and then it kind of when people started settling into it it was a time where there wasn't a lot of star wars so the clone Wars was really the only star wars content that was out there this is way before disney plus this is way before um disney even bought star wars and before the sequels was even a thing to be planned uh, apart from in like interviews that george lucas had had in the 90s or whatever (laughs) so and of course it got progressively better and better and better and the fan base bigger and bigger and bigger in support of that animation series so it kept the whole kind of star wars enthusiasm sticking around so really if you're disney plus and the way of looking at it is i mean there's so many offshoots of live actions in development we also are getting star wars visions which is the anime versions of star wars which I'm very looking forward to. There was yeah. clips and stuff uh, released the other day or or pictures, which look awesome. But put all your money into the Bad Batch. I do, it's it's going to be a successful way to go, really, isn't it? Six, five, six, seven seasons of this. Yeah. Really popular point in the timeline. Whilst, you know, the live action is going to show no, no ways of slowing down whatsoever. So, yeah, and... I mean, having someone like Filoni as well, you know, having had such success with with Clone Wars, like, I mean, he's, you know, at, at the helm of the Bad Batch, so there's no reason why he can't, you know, <laughs> write a lot of, you know, I mean, like a lot of great content and context that we need with, you know, in, within the Star Wars universe, and and I'm sure, you know, he'd probably hit up his old mate George Lucas, you know, for a few like tips and you know bits of direction, so. We know that it's in good hands, and and yeah, as we've been saying the whole time, that's exactly the sort of context that we pine for as Star Wars fans. You know, it's so great when they fit out these kind of different spaces, uh, different timelines, and yeah, just you know, bringing characters uh, you know across them together. So yeah, um, I, mean, what I really this is obviously a bigger discussion, but at the same time, when you've got the device that is Disney Plus now, and you've yeah. got the mega structure that is Disney in terms of the money. This is the time, isn't it? Isn't this surely the time to just go and have a sit down with George and go, what do you want to make, George? Do you want to do like a live action limited series? Do you don't want to do a one epic film that can go straight to Disney Plus? Like no pressures of the box office or any of that crap. Just kind of just make what you want to make, whether it's an animated series, a six episode limited run like we're getting with the Loki series or whatever. And just let him have his last, like, haram push it. I know these are kind of, like, George Lucas-esque in the sense that, as you mentioned there, Filoni's obviously in constant contact with him, and he still is in contact with the world. He's on the sets of some of the sequels, Solo, Rogue One. He's on the sets of Mandalorian and stuff like that. So he's very much connected. But if he's that connected, maybe he doesn't want to do it. Granted, that could be a thing. But if he does, or he has... He just like this is a story I still want to tell. I just make it. I mean, if you're making it straight for Disney Plus, it's not gonna the amount of content they're making. I mean, yeah. you can't see why not, can you? Yeah, and I also feel that like I imagine like we're kind of in a new age of like creating series as well. So even if let's say 
I don't know, let's say like audiences were starting to wane on the Bad Batch. I think, you know, it's kind of, we're in a realm now that they know what works and doesn't work with like Star Wars fans. And, you know, after the success of The Mandalorian and the lessons that they learned from the sequels, you know, that they, and clearly like, you know, with something like Disney Plus and seeing how people are viewing and watching and taking in these series, they have so much data and just, an understanding as to you know what actually makes like a kind of appealing series and what the fans are after and essentially what kind of storylines they cling on to and you know really cherish in a way you know um so I, I, yeah i feel that it's like it'd be very hard to kind of do something very bad with it basically you know that they they seem to have all the right ingredients it's just kind of about making something that makes sense and is well written as we always said like it needs to have great writing like that's the foundation of everything you don't have great writing you don't have anything really and yeah and that's actually one of the things that we keep like you know banging on about with the bad batch is that the writing is just getting stronger and stronger and so i mean that's just a great foundation for you know a series going forward so and you know, it's, bring it's it also, out. yeah it's also we, we talk about stories so much and it's 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 funny because when we did the revisits of the prequels when we always talked about the whole thing which got us on the prequels and it's you know it's, it's films that we still hold dearly and have watched many a times but it was a whole the silly seriousness yeah. didn't always sit well or the balance wasn't correct but the storyline throughout the whole three there was there was a clear arc story from phantom menace to revenge of the sith you could completely understand these actors' journeys. You know, you knew where it was going and it was making sense, which obviously the sequels have lacked a bit because of different directors, different visions, different, and maybe everybody wasn't on the same page from the get-go. It, it, I, feel, I feel very much, especially if you have the Dave Filoni and the John Favreau's now kind of in this mould, it's the time to bring George in offer it to him obviously once again he might not want to make it but you could say george do you want to do like a six episode limited series to tell a story of whatever you want to tell a story of and then just write that arc you know bring in one director for like get favreau and filoni or whoever or deborah chow who's doing the um obi-wan thing just getting one director to out see it all one story written by two three people from the beginning so everyone understands what's going on you know watch marvel they know how to do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so i yeah. i just think it would be kind of a winning formula for a bit of hey they're probably already doing this but you know it is very funny because and i always stand up for this person because at one point there everyone was like kathleen kennedy's making the worst decisions ever she's not because kathleen kennedy is also making the decisions on the Mandalorian and she's also making the decisions on the book of Boba Fett you know and she's also making the decisions on the Obi-Wan series and so that lady knows how to run production companies massive production companies she knows how to work with IP and she knows how to produce quality films series live action as a whole so I feel you know it, this is just a little idea that we're yeah. talking about that would be lovely but yeah. you know yeah. also bad batch episode 10 was very enjoyable guys <laughs> we just yeah. went on a little short yeah. Yeah. yeah we went to a sort of yeah bad batch concept and where it fits into the wider star wars universe but 
yeah, actually, <laughs> well, to bring it back, you know, now that, you know, I'm kind of watching this, uh, you know, obviously we've got the episode on in the background, but um, one thing I kind of wanted to speak to you about, you know, with this episode is, again, we find out a little bit more about Omega and her abilities mm. through certain games. And, you know, I mean, the key game being Dejaric, which is, you know, the Star Wars equivalent of, you know, Chat. You said it first, as I always mispronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I, I googled it beforehand as well. Yeah, yeah, did my reset. So, yeah, it, but you know, this is, yeah, again, you know, um, I mean, obviously, this was like you know a notable episode for them not including Omega in one of their missions. Interesting. Um, but then by the end of the episode, the fact you know that she pays off their debts through gambling, really, um, on you know Star Wars chess. That um yeah that she's basically a fully fledged kind of member of the Bad Batch now, but yeah I I thought it was very interesting when she was like oh I'm really good at strategy you got to do this and that and it's like oh oh how how are you so good at strategy Omega like perhaps this is just one of your secret abilities that seem to kind of keep popping out and you seem to be really good at it. are you some I, I'm now getting the impression that she's perhaps like a super soldier of a sort you know. Mm-hmm. That she's really good at shooting. She's kind of really quite smart. She has this strategy edge, you know, which, um, I don't know, maybe she was born to be a super soldier leader or like a maybe the leader of the clone army. I mean, what do you reckon? Like, what, what did you pick up from that? You know, <laughs> I was very, at one point, I was kind of worried when it gets to the near the end of the episode and she's, she's obviously won all the money back to pay their debt off. And I'm and I was like, no, we need them to still keep <laughs> Sid. We need the Sid storyline. And then, of course, keep another Sid. my brain was like, surely Sid wants to take advantages of, of of this of Omega to a different level. Maybe this is the time we see. So that's why Sid's such a cool character because we know um, Sid's character runs in between both worlds uh, dark side, light side, bad guys good guys, middle, whatever makes her profit really and this yeah. is why she is so good in this series because maybe this is when we get the Sid suddenly changing go hmm Omega money 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 This is she does, she does call Omega her friend though so you know yeah her I mean, friend we'll... to make her money her yeah. money friend <laughs> Yeah, would Sid betray a friend? Who knows? You know, we'll just have to find out, you know. But if she, I mean, if she does betray her, she's going to have a bad batch on her ass, which is not going to be pleasant for her. I don't think. I, don't think. I, mean, it, I mean, I would imagine Sid has some tricks up her sleeves, but, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if she'd be able to take out the four of them now that or they've come. Maybe of... we're preempting this is the cliffhanger on episode 16. It's like Omega gets taken by Sid. <laughs> the then... Sid hanger, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, Sid Hanger. Um, I mean, uh, could be. I mean, we've well, we've spoken about this in the past. How Sid's connected up to everyone. So, is she yeah. someone we can trust, or is she someone that you know needs to be kind of feared and you know held at arm's length because of uh, her other interests? And yeah, and again, you know, as, as we said, you know, the fact that she's like you know courting senators as well as huts, it's like, like you, you're not really sure, you know, and I, and that could be a twist, you know, that comes further on down the line that you know Sid portrays omega and the batch you know like will it happen ben i don't know i'm I'm scared to find out to be honest that i mean that's the perfect way scared to find out what <laughs> happens episode 11 is coming this week coming we'll be back to talk about it thank you guys for joining us we'll talk about more george lucas tandems as the weeks <laughs> go on
Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you. Thank you.